0: Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast, presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, we've got a whole lot to catch up on. <coughs> well, that gives away something. <coughs> I'm a, I'm a little bit sick at the moment. Um, you may have noticed a, a, not that much content or uh, like podcasts and stuff recently. Obviously I'm a little bit sick and that factored in there was the NFL draft so I had a bunch of other responsibilities and <coughs> also I had to see my girlfriend's family in Minnesota for the first time ever so what a what a great combination that all was uh, I do have the stories on uh, Nate and Carson basically just going through their fit you know what what does the Cincinnati defense look like how does Carson fit into it all that sort of stuff um that'll be up probably like, 15 minutes after this podcast. Same thing with the one on Nate. I wrote those on the plane um, and finally got those knocked out. I just got to go back and edit and post them and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, there's that. But that's also what we're going to be talking about today. Um, in terms of notes, I don't believe – oh, no, no, no. Oh, there's actually two more notes. Uh, first one, some sad news. My hauling shed got waived by the Las Vegas Aces um she was the number eight overall draft pick which is pretty wild to think like one month ago number eight draft pick now getting uh now getting waived I think they actually had two first round picks and both of them got waived uh just strange right but then you remember it's a small league there's I and mean, this is just the problem you know if, if there were 20 teams in the league there would absolutely be a spot for Maya and the Vegas absolutely would not have, you know, 12, 13, 14 however many players better than Maya. Um so sucks for Maya. I would imagine she'll get another opportunity somewhere, right? Like now that you uh, you know, you're number 8 overall pick and you're on the market. Uh, so we'll pay attention to that, see where she winds up, but there's uh there's what's up there. Also, and this is actually where we're going to start today, Colorado picked up a uh, a transfer, and it's a transfer with one year of eligibility left, which, you know, you read that as, he's going to be playing this year. This isn't somebody you're obviously waiting for a couple years to see out there. Uh, he's going to factor in that player, inside linebacker, Josh Chandler Semedo I think that's how I say it. Let me m- double check, make sure there's no pronunciation here. No, there's No, there's no pronunciation here. I hate that. Every every website should have the pronunciation of these players. But it's S-E-M-E-D-O. We're going Semedo. Could be Semedo. Could be Semedo. Josh and Chandler I'm confident about, though. I know those names. Uh, but, yeah, so that's, that's where we're going to start out. Josh Chandler Semedo. He, like I said, is a linebacker. Prim- primarily played inside linebacker. Five um, foot 226 pounds, so a little bit undersized. Honestly, the height doesn't bother me at all. The weight, you know, if you're playing that pure inside linebacker spot, yeah, you know, that's 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 on the lighter side. That's definitely on the lighter side. Um, he comes over from West Virginia. Um, like I said, one year of eligibility left. This is his COVID year. He played four years there, never redshirted. Uh, actually, played in forty four games. So eleven per year. I think his junior year he missed three games. Those are the only ones he he didn't play in, I believe. I guess there's gotta be one more somewhere. But uh, out of those forty four games he played in, he started thirty one. So he's a three year starter at West Virginia, coming over to Colorado. And the the <coughs> sorry, this is we're gonna we're gonna power through. Um, we're going to assume that uh if you're coming over from West Virginia to Colorado, you've been a starter for three years at West Virginia, just knowing the the state of those two programs, probably pretty safe to say you're going to be starting when you come over to Colorado, right? Um and we'll we'll actually talk a little bit more about where he fits in and who should be, you know, a little bit concerned about this. Um but I want to dig a little bit deeper into Josh here. Uh, played middle linebacker, like I said. All Big 12 third team, according to Phil Steele. All Big 12 honorable mention, according to the coaches. Um, number three in the Big 12 in total tackles per game last year. Number five in the Big 12 in solo tackles per game. Uh um, against Kansas had eight solo tackles, tackle for loss, forced fumble, two interceptions. That's a pretty outstanding game. Uh, but bu- bu- Anything else? Bunch of 10 tackle games, as you'd expect from an inside linebacker. Um, I think that's it for that one. Um, played in the Liberty Bowl. He was their defensive MVP at the Liberty Bowl. Um, he was actually on the all-bowl team. So actually on all of them AP USA today and ESPN. Uh, he had 13 tackles, a TFL forced fumble and an interception and the win, obviously. So that, that'll do it. Getting an interception against army is not an easy thing to do. Um, yeah, I think that's all notes from there. Uh, he was actually all big 12 honorable mentioned as a sophomore as well. So sophomore and senior didn't get it as a junior, um, played a little bit at weak side linebacker, uh, played um a little mostly at weak side linebacker as a freshman as well. I think those are the notes. Um in terms of what he is as a player, I I actually haven't gotten a great read. Um I, I think I I think I'd classify him as a tackle first guy. Just looking around, I couldn't find too many videos of him. So at some point here, now that I'm finally home and I'm going to be locked inside. Uh, I'll I'll be able to uh to check out um a little bit more of the film and dig deeply. But when I was going through some of the PFF grades when this first went down, there were a few things that really stood out to me. Um again, first of all, 510226. I I want to see more of him. I want to see well how well he moves. Um but what really surprises me, first of all, if if we just rank what he's good at by, according to Pro Football Focus, he has an 82 tackling grade, or had an 82 tackling grade last year. That means when he got his hands on somebody, they were going down. Um, I think they actually had him with 12 missed tackles, uh, one per game, but again, we're talking about somebody who had 120 tackles during the season. That's an average 10 a game. That's a a good number. Um, So the 82 there. Next best was his cover grade, just below 72. Uh, Then you have just the overall defensive grade at 68. Then you have the pass rushing grade, also at 68. And uh, run defense at 60. Now... That that 60 was a bit of an outlier. That was closer to 80, 78 the year before, 78 the year before that. Again, I don't want to read too deeply into these grades, and the truth is I just need to go back and watch a lot more before I'm confident saying anything, but I was really surprised to see that, and I'm really curious what went wrong. Um, yeah, I- I'm really curious what went wrong. Uh, so we'll go back through that. I guess that is kind of the caveat to where I see him fitting in, but... Those those numbers surprise me. Um targeted 30 times in coverage, gave up 23 catches, uh 8.7 yards per catch. Those aren't great numbers and that percentage is typically going to be pretty high for a linebacker because they're going to be targeted closer to the line of scrimmage than a the a cornerback would be, for example. Um but that the 8.7 yards per catch, that's again a little bit a little bit more than you'd like to be giving up. Um It is also true, I mean, week 10 he gives up nine receiving yards, week 11 he gives up six, Uh, week 12 he gives up nine, week 13 he gives up negative one, the bowl game he gives up 11, so a lot of the damage that was done against him was done early in the year. Uh, Again, you got to go back and watch the tape to see why that was, was he playing better coverage once they got to, you know, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Texas, Kansas, Minnesota, that could be. Uh, could it also be that he wasn't out there as much? Actually, it looks like the the number of snaps in coverage were pretty consistent, maybe even more in that stretch than they were early in the year. So I guess it isn't just because they were like, ah, things aren't going great, we'll take him off. Um, so, again, I think if I were to classify him, I'd just say undersized and pretty well-rounded. Uh, I, I don't know that there's a, a clear strength, clear weakness Again, it's just really hard to find any cut-ups of him or even like nobody's tweeted out clips of him playing before. Like they're just simple things like that. We're just like, how how is this not how does this not exist? But like I said, I'm gonna dig a little bit deeper into what he provides, but before we know that, we can get a little bit into how he fits onto this team. And the answer is, I mean, first of all, he's going to start. I'd be really surprised if he doesn't start. They just don't have players who are this experienced. So you'd have to assume that if they're bringing him in, they're bringing him in to be on the field. Um, we talked about this a little bit before, too. But prior to uh, to to his Josh chandler arrival, we were looking at, probably Quinn Perry at middle linebacker I'd guess that you'd have Robert Barnes as your strong side linebacker you know that means he's on the tight end gets to play more in coverage and then Marvin Ham as your weak side linebacker I think that Marvin Ham had the slimmest grasp on his job I think that you know Mr. Williams was probably a close number 4 um in terms of who's going to start with uh with with Barnes, or sorry, with Ham is the number three. So that could skew things a little bit. Um, I do think, though, that Josh Chandler-Samedo fits somewhere in that top three, and my bet would be number one. It's probably him or Robert Barnes, who's the guy who they just want to get on the field the most. Now, he comes in having played three years as your Mike linebacker. And because of that, what's the easy answer in terms of where he'll fit in? Mike Linebacker, and it, it could be that they just had even better athletes that they wanted to put at outside linebacker, right? I even—I haven't even had a chance to dig into what exactly their scheme was. Um, so it could be that they had two inside linebackers, right? Uh, but we'll figure that out. Still, when he has that much experience as Mike Linebacker and all the things that come with that, you know, the, the talking, the communicating, the setting things up, um, you would expect him to, to factor in there when he gets to Colorado and that would mean bumping Quinn Perry down to the second unit uh, most likely <coughs> uh, if if they really like Quinn Perry then you know maybe he stays at Mike I think Chandler Samedo you could fit in as your weak side linebacker because he does have that speed it would it would make some sense right like like you like the idea of him playing out in space just a little bit more um, again, that's not what he did, and so it's kind of strange saying that, uh, but that could be one way to piece it together, um, and in that case, Marvin Hamm goes to the bench. Uh, but that's kind of what we're looking at. Is I, I think the first question is, do you want him at Mike Linebacker? And if you do, Quinn Perry's probably on the bench. Uh, and if you're willing to move him around a little bit, then then Quinn probably holds down his starting job. Uh, and, again, Quinn, he's good at what he does, but what he does probably does limit him to Mike. No outside stuff for him. Uh, so that's that's what that looks like as of now. And then we'll expand a little bit more in a couple of days once I have a chance to, you know, dig into the tape, see what he actually looks like. Um, it's just been, as I said, a very, very chaotic couple of days. And... Actually, I had a couple tweets today at that airport um, that are just chaos. Like there was one, I I tweeted, what was it? Uh, I said, my girlfriend has pre-check, I don't. She left me in the normal line and went through the pre-check security. Is that acceptable? Everybody has thoughts. There's 125 responses so far. And I think about 120 of them are saying I'm an idiot. Like, oh, okay, sounds good. Also, they had a, they had a the Minnesota Wild have a bar in the Minnesota airport, which is a weird thing in the first place. But uh, I see, like you know, how they have a bar when they don't have any cups. People love that as well. So my phone is just blowing up, and I'm trying not to get distracted. But your phone buzzes, and you're like, "Oh, I hope that's not important." You look, and it's not. And it happens again thirty seconds later, and thirty seconds later. Uh, but that's the world I'm living in. Like I said, though, I'm going to get a chance, not tonight, probably tomorrow. I think tomorrow morning I'm going to get a chance to, to go back and watch some West Virginia film and hopefully cut some stuff up and get it up on the website as well. Um, but we'll we'll expand a little bit more, and I'll have some more well-rounded thoughts. But I do think that Josh chandler Samato all of a sudden does become one of your more important players on this defense. And I think that's a good pickup, right? Like we were talking about what positions would you like to add to. First of all, we knew that linebacker was one they were going to be tempted to add to just because they're switching to the 4-3. So all of a sudden you have three inside linebackers on the field. And, you know, they have their inside linebackers coach and their outside linebackers coach, and those are the titles. But the outside linebackers are basically defensive ends or pass rushers in this new system. Inside linebackers are just off-ball linebackers. They'll play the Will, the Mike, and the Sam So, you know, but we did know they needed to add to that group. This is the addition. I think it's a good one. You know, I I like the idea of adding grad transfers, you know, retain that flexibility. That's a scholarship that comes open again next year. You want to add a freshman, you add a freshman. You want to add another transfer, you add a transfer. But I do think this is a really good pickup. And again, I'm excited to dig in. I was able to find like one little video of him. I was like, yep, that was a good tackle. Seems like he knew what he was doing there. But you can't make judgments off of that. Um, looks strong. I could say that. Looks very strong. Doesn't look like he's 226. I'll add that as well. That'll do it for now, though. Um, real quick. Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, I love Breckenridge Brewery. I actually, I, I didn't buy any alcohol, so I haven't had any Breckenridge beers the last few days. Did I? Yeah, I guess Good Company Hard Seltzer Thursday, first night of the draft, was the last one. It's been a minute. I gotta get, I gotta get back onto the whole, uh, the the trade, you know, uh, I guess with the Avs playoffs starting and the NHL playoffs starting tonight, I'm pretty fired up. This is such a fun time of year, especially because like it's just perfect for me, because obviously at, at this point I still do my podcasts, I still write things, and we we still got some camp wrap up stuff to do. Um, got to talk about a couple of these new transfers, that sort of stuff. Um, and then we'll get into true off season type of written content, but. There's really not many, like, interviews or anything that I need to be doing during the day, right? So all I have to do is just get my work done in time to watch the hockey playoffs. And so it's nice just to have that little bit of pressure and uh, Breckenridge Brewery. They make the playoffs even better. They make everything even better. So make sure you should get your hands on some of their stuff. The Seltzers. um, And, of course, the Avalanche in the playoffs. Can't go wrong with the Breckenridge Brewery Avalanche Amber Ale. It's... uh, it's awesome. It's it's the best, and it fits, so it's perfect. They have it at the arena. That's the go-to, so get it. Uh, also, DraftKings Sportsbook, if you want to make some money, there's plenty of opportunities right now. Obviously, NBA playoffs still going. NHL playoffs just starting. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, baseball. Baseball, for those of you who, uh, I guess, I mean, I can't talk crap about the Rockies right now because they're actually, they, they righted the ship. They swept whoever they swept. And the season is, once again, not over. uh, But we'll see how long that lasts. For the rest of you, though, uh, just don't put on the Rockies. Just don't put on the Rockies. I'm sorry. It's only burned me. Um, Right now, if you're a new user, you can sign up. It's the same deal. You put $5 on any team to win any NBA game. You'll get $150 in free bets if they do. Um, Yeah. So there's the new promo. Um, also if you, uh, if, if you want to make same game parlays, all that sort of stuff combine like threes made with a win for the team and this many rebounds, or the best way to do it is if like you take Luka Doncic, Doncic over on the points, take him to get like 35 points, but also take the Suns to win. That'll give you some real good value. Uh, but definitely go in and check all that things, those things out. Like, if you mess around, you'll find some awesome ways to do it. I mean, like I said, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game. You'll get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code DNVR, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-522. 4700. All right. Uh I guess also let's do this too. Let's do this too. Uh Ripple. Ripple is a really cool product that you can get from uh, Light Shade Dispensary. The way it works is it's just like this little powder. It comes in a little package and you just rip the top off, you pour it in your drink, you pour it in your food. It's odorless, it's flavorless. So you can really put it on anything. If you want it to hit fast, you just put it straight on your tongue. Um, but regardless, it's supposed to start absorbing within 10 to 15 minutes of you taking it, which is incredibly fast and it's super consistent. They've actually tested Ripple at Colorado State University. It was like randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people. The results are published in a peer-reviewed journal. It really is the just the safest, most consistent high that you can get out of any sort of edible. Um, and again, it's clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. So uh, go to Colorado's premier dispensary that's Lightshade with 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. The Barnum location is now open. It's one block off of sixth and federal. It is the biggest light shade store with specialty products that are not offered at other locations. They have something for everybody, whether you're uh, a casual consumer, whether you're a connoisseur, does not matter. Plus, podcast listeners get 25% off all non-sale items with the code DMVR. Shop online at LightShade.com for pickup or visit a LightShade location near you. Here's another fun little story before we get into the real draft stuff. So The DMVR Madden League draft was over the weekend. And uh, I wasn't around, so I couldn't make my picks. I had 10 picks in that draft. The earliest were in the third round, though, so it's like, yeah, I'll be fine. Blaine Toll was in this year's draft class. Um, you'll remember Blaine Toll from his three months he spent at Colorado. I drafted him. Um, he's a star. He's a star. So uh, not sure what to do with that. Might trade him. He's not very good. He's just going to be good. So we'll, we'll figure it out. But Blaine Toll, former Colorado Buffalo in my video game roster. Uh, there's also real draft news that happened for Colorado. Uh, four players, I believe, are either, I guess, haven't necessarily been picked up, but are at least on that path. Um, first first deal to be signed, I, I should say this, no Buffalo's drafted. First time since 2016 that that's happened. Um, it's not good. It's not good. I thought Nate and Carson had chances, but... I guess not. Um, Nate was the first one to sign a deal. That was pretty quick after the draft. Uh, he goes to Atlanta. Carson, Sunday morning, uh, news broke that he had signed a deal to go to uh, Cincinnati. So those are the two undrafted free agents. They're both on the 90-man roster. Uh, Mustafa actually got a deal as uh, like a, a mini-camp uh Tryout type thing, I guess. Yeah, camp invite tryout's a little bit different. That's like a one-day thing. So, so he'll be up there for the mini camp, which should start sometime in the next week or so. Three, four, five practices, something like that. And I'm guessing that uh, Atlanta probably has like one or two open roster spots, and they'll they'll choose one or two of those guys who they invite to the mini camp to to actually put on the 90-man roster, bring back for training camp, and give a real shot to to make the roster. Um so that's that's where he's sitting. Uh Kari Kutch is uh the final Buffalo who seems to be in good position. Um the tweet was Colorado offensive lineman Kari Kutch has been invited to New York Giants and Seattle Seahawks rookie minicamps per source. So again, no uh nothing official here that I've seen yet. Um, he's probably weighing his options, figuring out where he could stick, that sort of stuff. Um, but we'll probably hear at some point in the next couple days where he's uh, where he's going to try to find himself a, a home in the NFL. Um, so there we go. Let's circle back through and dig a little bit deeper, though. Start out here with the Atlanta boys. Um, so, first of all, Atlanta went through a scheme change last year. Um, new new coaching staff. I don't think there was a new front office, but there actually might have been. Uh, but uh, they switched from a 4-3 cover three zone. And you remember, that's like the Dan Quinn defense. So that was, um, you know, like the, the Seahawks, like pure cover three. Like your linebackers are doing the same thing just about every play. Your your corners are just dropping back their deep thirds. You got your safety going deep. Like the one of the most simple defenses that you can possibly run, um, and mean, it works well, if you have the athletes right, like if every guy can just win his zone, even if the offense knows it's coming, doesn't matter. And the Legion of Boom did that, uh, but didn't quite work out with uh, with the Falcons. Uh, so they made the change. They switched over to a three four. Um, it. it I think there might be some similarities. I think it's a little bit cover 3 heavy, but the difference is they scheme up a lot of pressures. Um and they they want to kind of crowd the box, make it make it hard to tell who's coming, who's going, you know, send five or six guys, drop the others in zone, make the quarterback figure out what's going on. Um and and while doing that, they actually they they leave guys over the top. Like they make sure they don't get beat deep. So it's kind of this um, like Ben don't break defense and they get down the red zone. It's like, Hey, modern NFL easiest place to get a stop or, or at least get, make sure that nothing bad happens. is in the red zone, you know, just cramp things up. It's easier to defend that area. Just don't give them any easy touchdowns before they get there. Hold them to a field goal. If they do, hopefully they screw something up. Hopefully you get a turnover, something like that. Um, but that's kind of the, 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 the formula for Atlanta. So, I think the other piece, again, that three four odd front running that one gap scheme, which is what Colorado's done quite a bit of. and I think that that's so i had I had pegged Nate as more of like the two gap type of guy, um just because it lets you rely on the instincts a little bit more. um with with that one gap system, obviously, everybody is just in charge of what they do, in charge of what they do. You know you have your one gap, you've gotta you've gotta get through there. Um, if, if you're pass rushing, you're pass rushing, trying to get to the quarterback, if it's a run, you don't let anybody through that gap, and again, Nate's really good at that, it, that's a lot of what the Buffs have been doing recently, and so I think he'll be fine, and on top of that, you know, with all these blitzes, it might be a bit of a tell if, if Nate's out there, right, because you know, it's kind of like Von Miller, but in a very different way. If <laughs> if Von's on the field, you know that there's an eighty-five, ninety percent chance he's rushing that edge, and there's that ten or fifteen percent chance they're going to drop him in coverage, just to keep you honest. And and Nate has something similar, but from the middle of the defense. Um, they are missing kind of that pure tackler. They are missing somebody who can just stuff things up in the run game. Now they do have, like, good defensive linemen, some some decent pass rushers, um, but. Again, like in that one gap system, like of course you do, right? If you're gonna run that, you need the athletes who can run those gaps. And so Nate, I do think, is a pretty good fit here. Um in terms of in terms of the roster, I think that there's um there's a, a lot to like. I think that there's really a lot to like. Um they they do have their two starting inside linebackers, you know, Dion Jones and Rashawn Evans are both there. Um, uh, in in the long term, I think that there's there's a path to the field in the long term. You know, Rashawn Evans, good linebacker, makes quite a bit of money. Uh, I I think Nate could beat him out if he's cheaper. You know, it it'd take a year or two with Deion Jones, more of that cover type of linebacker. Um, could be either a good pairing for Nate. It could be that you want more tackling there, so that fits in. But but that's all way down the road. First thing Nate needs to do is actually make the roster and those two will take up two spots. I think the way this defense is built, you probably expect Atlanta to keep four inside linebackers with a chance that there's five, um, but probably four. Right now they have uh, Mikael. I'm not sure if it's Mikael or Michael. Uh, I think might actually be Michael, M-Y-K-A-L, Walker. Um, he started six games as a rookie in 2020, started two games last year. Um, Rashad Smith, he's been in the league for two years. This will be his third um been on five different teams um was was actually i think with the bears twice in there so kind of like six different teams and now he he's in atlanta so again is, is he beatable by nate it's possible uh darian etheridge he played in seven games last year as a rookie uh, recorded one tackle i think one of these guys might have been like a fifth or sixth round draft pick i think there's a seventh rounder in there undrafted but but not guys who you look at and say like oh no That's going to be a mainstay in the NFL, mainstay on the roster. If you're trying to compete for a roster spot, Nate's in a good situation. Again, he signed pretty quickly after the draft. That makes you think that he probably had some options and probably realized that this is one where he, he has a real chance to stick. The other piece, though, kind of this elephant in the room, is Troy Anderson and Troy Anderson from Montana State we've talked about him a little bit my nemesis my high school basketball team beat him my junior year in uh the in the state championship up in Montana class A uh they went to Montana State and I hated him there I'm from Montana so uh yeah he winds up being a second round pick freak athlete but I think the one little glimmer of hope there is well first of all he would take the third job right And so there's minimum one other open. I would guess with this group, you're only going to keep four on the roster. There's a chance you keep five, so maybe there are two jobs open. The other piece, though, is that I could see them trying to put him into an outside linebacker spot for a couple reasons. First of all, he has the athleticism. Again, when we talk about this scheme, when you're saying, is he going to go, is he going to stay? I think one of the things you really look at is like, okay, can we get that from the edge? Because a lot of guys who play outside linebacker, they're they're pass rushers, right? They really can't cover. Troy does have all of that versatility. Um, it's just whether you could get enough of, out of him as a pass rusher, which I, I think you could. And then the other piece is you have Deion Jones, you have Rashawn Evans. So if you're trying to get your second-round pick on the field, outside linebacker, he might have a better chance. And so if he, if, if he does kind of factor in in their mind – either as an outside linebacker, that'd be great. That means there's two jobs open for these four guys, one of which is Nate. Or even if they say, you know what, we think he might be able to play either, then you could either go lighter on outside linebackers and heavy on inside linebackers or, or lighter on inside linebackers, heavier on outside linebackers. So it, I think that that versatility does help Nate out. Um, and overall, I, I think that he's in a good position. Again, I, I think that, I don't want to say his brain's going to be wasted, especially early on. Because, again, like Nate, really smart, knows his football, has great instincts. If you want him to to be in a defense where everything gets clogged up in front by the linemen, and then he has a chance to kind of filter around, figure out where he wants to go, and then bang, clean up the running back, just meet him in the hole as it develops, long-term that makes sense. But there is, you know, you have to adjust to the speed of the game in the NFL. And those senses, even though you might not be taking full advantage of them, I mean, it's it's not like you're going to waste, especially early on. And I think that with those simpler responsibilities, I he might really shine. Right, the the learning curve might be a little bit less for him. Um, so I think that I think that that's really what stands out with Nate. And again, one gap system. It, it's what the Buffs have been running quite a bit. It's good for Mustafa as well. You know, he goes in. He, obviously, he's not going to be a defensive lineman in a scheme where you know you're you're asking the guys to clog everything up up front because what, he's probably a little under six feet tall and (laughs) that's just not somebody who's going to clog things up at this level. Right. And so we'll, uh, we'll see how he factors in. Um, Hopefully he's able to stick around. Uh, It's going to be tough for him um, mostly because he's a pass rusher. I think that what he does best best is play as a pass rusher and he's just not gonna get many opportunities to do that with so many veterans around, right? The undrafted guys and getting your pass rush snaps. And that's a ways down the road. Um, but as they're trying to figure out what they want, that's that's gonna factor in. Now again, pass rushing as a defensive lineman, playing that one gap, penetrating, getting through there, getting like there there's a lot of similarities, and so I I really think he's going to be just fine. You know, it's it's going to be a battle though. Uh odds are probably stacked against him getting invited back to training camp but even if he doesn't who knows maybe he winds up uh getting getting a chance to go training camp somewhere else and again like with Nate you know does he have a chance to make the the roster I think he really does I think he really does again he's one of those early picks pickups as undrafted free agents that's a good sign um and then we talked about the other stuff but even if he doesn't what the practice squad is I think it's thirteen players now. So going from this ninety man roster down to a fifty-three man roster, tough to do, but possible. Getting into that top sixty-six though, so that you can stick around it's a lot easier, especially because only those young guys have a chance. Oh, it's actually sixteen now. So so there we go. So sixteen, um, yeah so sixteen plus fifty three sixty seven no 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 sorry i'm embarrassed by that sixty nine nice uh again yeah. so we'll we'll see we'll see where he fits in i i feel good about him at least making the practice squad and it's nate right he's gonna pop the the coaches are going to be incredibly excited by just how smart he is how how he picks things up um they'll be willing to develop him because i think that He'll give them reason to think he's going to be working hard and doing all those sorts of things. He's he's capable of learning. So that's what's up in Atlanta. Um, with Carson. With Carson in Cincinnati. This is a... This is a... I don't want to say a bad fit because it's not. It's just an interesting fit and kind of a telling fit, right? A telling fit. And And here's what I mean by that. In this kind of pre-draft process, one of the things that... Carson said over and over again was that he doesn't think he's just an outside linebacker you know Colorado plays that 3-4 outside linebacker his job is to line up on the line of scrimmage set the edge in the run game um, rush the passer again it's he drops back in coverage more than Vaughn does but it's that same thing where you know what he's there to do but you'll also keep him honest and in Carson's case he's actually pretty solid in co- in coverage from that spot where you don't You don't ask a lot. The responsibilities aren't that difficult. Um, And also at the college level. So those are two things you have to factor in. But he's actually pretty good in coverage. And so you wind up uh, dropping him back fairly often. Um, Still, though... It was surprising to hear him say that he doesn't think he's necessarily just that guy. Uh, he thinks he can play any linebacker spot, and he even made it sound like he preferred to play an off the ball spot. You know, play more of that inside linebacker in a four three play linebacker that that type of role. Now he goes to this Bengals defense, and it's actually it's a really cool defense. And I think at a base level, I honestly like don't love it because the concept is we run a four two five. It's kind of a college-type deal, right? A four-two-five, 2 five. Um, And we don't necessarily just match what the offense does. So the m- offense comes out with a fullback and a tight end or just two tight ends, something like that. We might... We'll probably still just stick in this four-two-five, And the reason we're going to do it is because, first of all, those five defensive backs, those mean that we're going to be just fine in coverage. Between those five, we're going to be able to cover everybody. With those six guys in the box, we're going to be outnumbered. But what we're going to do is we're going to get really, really big linemen. They're going to clog everything up. They're going to command double teams. We're going to have two linebackers who are really good at reading and reacting and going and making tackles. And to be honest, I think that this is a defense that Nate would have fit pretty well into. Um, just because, again, like he has those senses. He can read those things. Um, the, the coverage responsibilities aren't so much on the linebackers um, just because of how you're structuring things. Um, but this is the defense that Carson shows up in, and again, like I don't love the not matching personnel. I think you're you're obviously putting yourself at a disadvantage. You're you're daring the offense to run, and then saying like, yeah, run on us. We're gonna stop it. And obviously, like it worked for them. They had the they had the athletes to do it last year. Um, but this is the this is the defense that Carson's getting into. Um, now notably, this is very different than what Colorado does, right? or at least what they did when Carson was here because he was playing kind of the outside linebacker almost similar defensive end type role or at least subbing into that in their sub packages so the first of all Let's talk about the possibility of him playing defensive end in this defense. Um, and I think the odds are really slim. You know, I, I was just looking through their roster. Their smallest defensive end is Joseph Osai, who actually played a very similar position to what Carson played um, at Colorado when Joseph Osai was at Texas. You remember, he his last year was that bowl game. He played. He, he's he's a good football player. Um, but he's listed at two fifty three. I think. Carson's listed at 240. So, that's a bit of a gap, right? There's That would be a significant step down from their smallest defensive end. Um, could they like him there? Could they want to try it? Absolutely. There's a real chance that they're going to want to try it. But, again, I, I don't think that that's the perfect fit. Maybe, maybe in pass rushing situations, but again, early on, how often are they going to be throwing Carson out there Instead of you know they have Trey Hendrickson they have they have Joseph Osai um so we'll we'll see whether there's any flexibility there I do really think that he probably fits in as uh, one of those two linebackers now again this is very different than what he did he was an outside linebacker at Colorado he's confident he can do these other things and he ran a four five six like he has the mobility to play off the ball um the the lateral mobility as well um I very good football senses. I want to see it, right? It's just really hard to say like, oh yeah, he's going to be great at this until you see it. Um, He is also a very instinctual player, very physical player. Uh, I I think he can get off the blocks at the next level, but you know, that's, that's one of those questions for Carson. Um, But we'll see. We'll see. I, I think that it probably helps again, that it's not a whole lot of coverage responsibilities. He's not terrible in coverage, but obviously that's not going to be his strength. Um, Yeah, Uh, in terms of in terms of the other linebackers on the roster, the guys who he's competing with, um, you know, you start with Logan Wilson, who was an early draft pick last year, exceeded the hype. I think he might have been Pro Bowler as a rookie. I guess I might not be giving these linebackers enough credit or the scheme enough credit because you do have to be pretty well-rounded. You do have to cover a little bit and do some of those things. Uh, Logan Wilson is really good in coverage, also really good in the running game. Does get protected just a little bit as well. Kind of like, you know, when Nate grades out well, it's like, yeah, he's doing what Nate does. And that's not totally the same with Logan Wilson, but there's a little bit of that. Jermaine Pratt, uh, he was the other starter. He's going to be back Um so, I guess starting right there, Logan Wilson is probably going to be a starting linebacker in Cincinnati for a decade. That's what it looks like right now. Um, Jermaine Pratt, eh, not so much. I think he's beatable. I don't even know that he's locked into a starting spot for this year. You know, when you look at the depth, you have Marcus Bailey uh, from Purdue. They, they draft him in the seventh round in 2020. Uh, he he started two games in 2020 didn't start any games last year uh, akeem Davis, Ga- Davis Gaither uh, he was a fourth round pick in 2020 uh, more mobile he he started three games this year didn't start any as a rookie um, so you, I mean just looking at the trends it seems like he's probably number three on this list Bailey's probably number four and they've got Clay Johnston. Who's going into year four? I don't think he's ever started a game. Um again, that's should be able to beat him. Joe Bocci. I don't know if it's Bocce or Baki, Um, but but he was with the uh the Eagles for uh for for a I think one or two years, one year, or maybe only one year, then wound up going to uh to uh Cincinnati last year. He is uh he he started, I think, like two games last year. So so again, they were kind of rotating guys in. They couldn't really find anybody. And I think I think you probably see four linebackers here too. Maybe you could see five, just because at some point they need to go heavy, right? Like if they line up with no receivers out there, you can't run this four two five. You just can't do it. Um and in that case, you need to put three linebackers out there. All of a sudden, if you only have four on the roster, one's hurt, you know, it doesn't really work. So I, I, I want to change my answer. I bet they keep five. I bet they keep five. Um, you do wonder if, like, Joseph Oside is he his playoff ball? But I don't think so. I think they probably do keep five. So you look at it. Logan Wilson was one. Jermaine Pratt is right there, number two. Um, and then you have probably three spots, maybe two spots. I'd say 75-25. They keep three linebackers. For Marcus Bailey, Akeem Davis Gaither, um, Clay Johnston, Joe Bakke, and, uh, and Carson Wells. I think Davis Gaither is probably most likely to make it, then Marcus Bailey, then Baki, and then why not give Carson Wells the nod over Clay Johnston? Um, that's, But that's kind of the competition. Again, Carson isn't that far away. If he goes and makes some plays in the pre- preseason, he contributes as a special teamer, there's absolutely a path for him to make the roster too. Um, he, he has the athleticism. He has the size. I think there's a lot to like about what he does. Um, and again, can he make the practice squad? There's a chance, and and I mean, if he doesn't make it there, can he make another practice squad somewhere else? I mean, you would, you'd think so, right? Like it seems like a lot of these guys do. So so we'll 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 see how it all pans out. Obviously, but there's kind of what you're looking like or what you're looking for. I guess with Carson again, like could they put another ten pounds on him? Try to put him at defensive end in their system? It's possible. It's possible, but I think it's a lot less likely um, that, that that's their plan. Um, there we go. There, there we go. There's recapping the undrafted free agents, all that sort of stuff. We'll see what happens with Kari Kutch. Um, but that's it. That's it for today. We got a lot of podcasts this week, especially because we missed some last week because I'm uh, because of a lot of reasons. But I'm back now, and we've got podcasts to do. And there will be another tomorrow which I'm very excited about. Oh, I just realized we did not talk about Jabari Walker. That was the other piece of news. I, again, I was at the airport. I saw it, but um, Jabari not coming back to school. We'll dig into that tomorrow, though. Uh, see you then.